Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 58 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is Hector. How's it going, Hector? I, uh, uh, yep, that, good. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're, we're, we're present. We're here. Some comics showed up in a long box, and we were forced to read them by choice. Yes, by choice. By choice. Yeah, man, we've got a show, so that means it's... Time, as they said. Do you know what time it is? We got comic sign. We've got comic sign. Better put the word out. Can't wait for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring necks on. We get to talk about Mephisto, so yep, it it's not it's, again. It, it's abso- <laughs> it's absolutely Mephisto. So today on the pull list, we're going to talk about Mephisto. Uh, well, yeah, fine, but we're going to hit the latest news that you need to know. Our must pull recommendation from the past two weeks, our fave number ones, and so much more. This is the pull list podcast. Stepping into our high technology newsroom, which still is a small closet with sound reducing foam and a door that I can open and close. I don't have a lot of industry news in terms of things like distributors and comic book stores and stuff like that, which hopefully means post free comic book day, a late free comic book day this year. That means things are kind of stabilizing again. In terms of distribution and everything, fingers crossed, hopefully, maybe. I haven't heard anybody complain in a minute. Right. So I I feel like that's a good thing. And we should probably highlight the times when it's like, hey, I'm not here to tell you really complicated things about retail distribution and everything. But we will when it happens because it ultimately impacts you as readers at the end of the day. And we care about that because we're fans just like you. And we got merch. It's Comic Sign. Um, But I do want to bring a few new products um, from some of our friends at The Big Two and some other places that are coming into the market over the next couple months. I know a few episodes ago I talked about Marvel and Viz Media coming together to do some manga team-up type stuff. Well, one of their first titles has been announced. And, Hector, I'm not sure if you'll be excited about this or not. Um... It focuses on a cat. (laughs) And you're welcome. Uh, It's going to be called Marvel Meow. And it has a picture of a cat pawing at Spider-Man. So, yeah, there you go. Marvel's foyer into the manga world is a cat. Not that exciting, huh? Wasn't enough? Um... (laughs) Just confused, man. Yep. Well, there you go. Uh, we we have the article in the links for you, so you can check that out. Hopefully, there's more, or there's going to be more Marvel characters involved, but I'm interested. I'm confused, but I'm interested. Um, so, more on the Marvel front, and probably of a more bit of a serious note, I suppose, Um, If you've been tracking, and I think we at least mentioned it, um, coming up in about a month, I think it's in the next week or two or just the beginning of October, the death of Doctor Strange um, arc is going to begin and conclude. And so far as we know, 
that that's not a head fake. Um, <laughs> Doctor Doctor Strange is gonna get whacked. Um, well, which means can, there's can gonna I, be a new Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, I'm just saying this. Put it on record. Episode 58. I said it out loud. <laughs> They're gonna kill off Doctor Strange now, so they can bring him back right at Multiverse of Madness time, so that they can use it as a prop up to generate more sales. Merry Christmas. So you may not be wrong um, because some of the stuff that we're going to talk about in this week's polls in terms of things going on in the Marvel Universe, I kind of get that vibe going too, that technically they've been giving us the threads to what may actually be happening in the MCU for a while now. And that should come as no shock because Marvel and the Disneyfication of anything that Disney touches is that all things are supposed to be intermingled and related in some way, shape, or form. Um, comics have held out slightly longer in that process, but I think this is going to potentially be one of those things that's been happening directly in front of us the entire time. Um, which, if done well, will be the oohs and ahs of everything, or it'll just be it's all Mephisto. It's no longer probably Mephisto. It's definitely Mephisto. Um, what? Anyway, um, they're going to name the new Sorcerer Supreme in December. So just turning into the new year and propping up of the movies and everything, like you said, there's going to be massive changes in at least the continuity that we understand here and now. Or we're going to be introduced to what continuity we've been staring at, which, to be honest, is what DC's doing right now as well, right? Um, and... Did I actually? Yes. I'm going to talk about that next um, because that's important as well. So, yeah, I think that's a good transition point to let's talk about how DC is kind of doing the same thing without doing the same thing. And let's remember for a brief moment that Infinite Frontier is still actually a thing. You know, I think I picked up the first issue and then every time I go to a shop and see it on the shelves, I'm like, oh, is that still happening? And that's where I was. And while I was going through some of the news and everything, everybody was picking up, oh, but Infinite Frontier number six. And it's like, good Lord, there's been five others of these <laughs> that I apparently just completely cut out of my memory from existence. Um, and let's be honest, that's coming from two DC bros <laughs> sitting before our microphones right now that we, we love us some DC. And this has been like, oh, that's still a thing. Well... Suffice it to say, without giving too much away, pretty much what Infinite Frontier 6 does is reintroduce the multiversity of DC and the fact that there are multiverses and that, oh, by the way, that thing Death Metal occurred, which kind of broke all of the continuity and time and multiverse platforms and everything. So we know now that there are all these things, but in 2022... You will learn the truth of the multi-multiverse or something like that. Basically, infinite crisis I for the infinite time, which we've made that joke already. So I, I, I couldn't do it again, but I did. So my understanding is kind of like we've talked about before and what we've seen with future state and now fear state and the adjacent stories that have been or supposedly were supposed to be 5G in the DC world do exist, but they're all existing in different multiverses, which means they can all happen at the same time or parallel 
but all in different universes, which means that now everything is continuity, just not continuity prime. Which feels like the most comic book thing I've said in a while, and we do a show about comic books. So, I, I don't know how I feel about that yet. <laughs> I do appreciate that that means that many stories can be told um, without potentially quote-unquote breaking continuity. But at the same time, it seems like a lot to mentally keep up with. It really is, dude. It's like, how much of this stuff am I supposed to remember? It's like in Marvel, um, you know, Earth 616 type stuff, right? That you're like, okay, which which prime am I? Which, which universe am I in? Um, and it also feels very much Rick and Morty-ish of we just need to put a number after everything and we'll figure out which is the truly evil Morty. Um, and then all continuity will suddenly make sense. No? Too much? Just maybe, as long as we can get Christopher Lloyd involved. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. So, finally, on kind of the new slash interesting slash what the heck is going on, um, you're a DC fan. You've been reading Suicide Squad, right? Yes. Okay. So, you got introduced to a new old character this, this week. Which one was that? Uh, Ambush Bug. Oh, yeah. Okay. Every, <laughs> everybody's favorite um, um, little scamp <laughs> of confusion and anarchy. Um, if you're confused about what an ambush bug is, um, you should Google that, and you'll find a bunch of comics from Once Upon a Time about this character. And a lot of younger folks probably are confused as all get out unless they're very deep into the DC fandom. Um, because this was kind of the era when both DC and Marvel were like, here's a really off-the-wall, non-human character um, that seems kind of out of place. Not sure. I didn't personally get to read Suicide Squad this week, so I, I don't know. I just looked at the cover and went, huh, Ambush Bug's going to be in Suicide okay. Squad. Okay, I'm not going to – I don't want to spoil – spoil anything on that note just to put it in a context before you get to that issue you need to read the annual okay Um, that's helpful uh because the annual comes right before the issue um but the fact of the matter is bug is not a in a real world thing in this context ah so what you're saying is he's part of the continuity that's not continuity that's part of a multiverse. He he's in a VR system. <laughs> oh, that's even better. So it's it's fake reality inside of a continuity that might not be prime continuity, but it is in a multiverse with a multiverse that has VR. He's an ambush bug that's actually a bug in a computer program. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> Oh, um, and like I, it, and he's straight up telling them, "You're all in a comic book," and you know it's <laughs> it's a thing. And he holds his hand out, and he has a red pill and a blue pill. Oh, okay, that's kind of funny. That's very that actually is very on brand for Ambush Bug. So, if if you about that ambush 
ambush bug action, then maybe, maybe that really is worth your Todd Turner is the pick. only person I know that's like deathly excited about ambush bug, but still. <laughs> well, Todd, this one's for you. And honestly, in many ways that it's good and it's bad, that that's what you needed to know after the last couple of weeks. That's our biweekly look at the industry and delivering you some of the inside knowledge or not so inside knowledge. But as always, you can join in on a conversation with Hector and I and all of your other nerdy friends on the Love Thy Nerd Discord or in our Facebook community and begin your weekly geeky adventure together with us. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly even what we missed, because we probably missed a few things, because sometimes the news does just kind of fly by. Um, but we've got our very own comics channel on the Discord, and you can find links and all that cool stuff in the notes, so come join us, tell us what you think. What's up, nerd? You digging this podcast? Well, the audio enjoyment doesn't end there. Visit LTNOnAir.com and make LTN Radio your new go-to for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, as well as our exclusive LTN shows and podcasts, some of which air on the station before they're available anywhere else. Visit LTNOnAir.com to listen now and find the link to our app. Now back to the show. It's time to dive into that long box. Hector and talk about what things did rise to the level of us talking about it this week so that people know what could what might be interesting that they're not reading or getting confirmation that they've made some good pull so what you got <laughs> um first off and I think this one might be out of the two week radius but it's you know catching up to my stuff um Oh, by the way, I'd like to just say this for the record. Um, I caught up on my entire backlog. How does that feel? Tell us how that feels. It feels refreshing. Um, this is the <laughs> first time since May I have read all the comics that I'm going to read that I own. Now, that being said, there's a stack of comics I've purchased. That when I look at them, I'm just like, no. <laughs> I'm just never going to read them. It's not like a lot. It's maybe 12 total. But maybe like, that's the new special on the show. Um, <laughs> the comics that got my attention, but there is no way I am ever opening. Yeah, that might be a thing. Um, but then I also feel sad because some of them I think are important. I just don't care. Um, mm. So uh, that's a thing. Uh, but I'm done with my whole pull list and I've already read everything that came out this week. Thank you. Thank you. Hold for applause. Is, I, is that is that possible? I don't have any books left. Now, the only thing I have left to read is the uh, trade paperback of uh, Steeple Volume 2. But, um... Oh, right. So, I... And I'm only a few pages into that, and it's flipping delightful. Um, if you are okay with a comedic book about a youth pastor being friends with a Satan, uh, whatever you would call... A youth pastor for the Church of Satan, and <laughs> like they being BFFs, and then they have the end of the series of the proper series, like the original, ended with them like having a crisis of their own faiths and swapping places. So the girl who was the Satan youth pastor for the first five issues joins the church, and the other girl rebels and joins the Church of Satan, and it's just they're annoying everyone. And it's this weird spiritual comedy. But anyway, I'm reading that. I'm, but I, 
I'm taking my time because I'm having fun, um, which is important, kids. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like the jokes make me giggle. Um, like uh, the literally page one or two, the former youth pastor is trying to hold a sing along um, at the Church of Satan and um, saying that some of the the physically demanding sensual things are tough for older practitioners and they need something a little lightweight. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's just, I'm giggling through the whole thing. Um, but anyway, uh, so outside of steeple, um, comics are for everyone. Comics are for everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, uh, Robin number five, out of this uh, Robin series that's been going on. This is, you know, following out a detective where Damien quit being Robin and everything else. Um, and he is on an island doing a death match thing where you can die four times on the island um, and be brought back. And okay, so it's, a, it's you only get a maximum of four dunks in a Lazarus pit or they've come up with another resurrection uh, capability. So this is an island that is basically a living Lazarus pit. Ah, so that's as long, not confusing. As long as you're on that island specifically, you can die three times before you die. Die. Hmm. Then I guess technically you could be put in a Lazarus pit, but there's not one on the island. I don't know. It's from a cult of Lazarus or something, or like the Lazarus Project or something. I don't know. Um. But it's a separate branch that Ra's al Ghul does not endorse. Ah, okay. There, there it is. So the League of Assassins are like, nah. That that's 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 Walmart generic brand Lazarus. And that's what it is. Um, they actually that's what it was called. It's called the League of Lazarus, and it's disowned it. by the League of Assassins. Um, I guess it's something they started and then abandoned. Um, mm. but uh, after uh Ra's al Ghul was defeated. Back in the Outsiders, he's living peacefully in the South Pacific, chilling and learning from his mistakes. <laughs> what a delightful arc! It is, and so the, de- like, the demon's head sipping mai tais on a beach, contemplating his life and doing yoga. I'm not even kidding. That's exactly what's happening, and because wow. um, Damien ends up there, um, and he's like, "Let me teach you, kid," <laughs> and he straight up like <laughs> teaches him kung fu and says you know it's not always the best thing sometimes you need to chill and but anyway robin has been delightful it's only a five issue arc uh or so far i think it ends with six um maybe but the whole thing kind of their methodology for the one-offs has been one through six like um black uh manta that came out yeah um this week is a six as well. I think that's kind of the i isn't um blue and gold six as well that this again this is kind of the Telling a story in isolated continuity that isn't ongoing but is happening somewhere in a period of time that is interesting. And I'll tell you what, I'll actually take that and be glad for it if we just get good stories without having to fit in the fear state. Um, oh, for sure. But that that's happening too. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but so the whole thing is Robin's been on this island battling to the death. Um, Ravager is there and um, some... Deadpool, Deathstroke, Knockoff, and Connor Hawk, um, you know, former Green Arrow, Speedy Kid, um, is the League of Lazarus's chosen one over Damien. 
And so he's been like brainwashed by the League of Lazarus, all this stuff. Anyway, um, Jason had actually sent uh, Ravager to the island to spy on Damien to make sure he was okay, which was sweet. But anyway, they have this whole moment in Robin 4 where he is with uh, Ra's al Ghul after being chucked off the island. Um, and in this one, he gets, he leaves Roz, goes and gets his cla- gets a new Robin costume that he has designed himself or whatever. And he's tracked down by the entire bat family of OG bat family, like Cassie and, um, Cassie and, um, Duke are left out, but I think they have other plot points right now. Um, but literally you get to a point where. Barbara, um, maybe not even Barbara. I need to look back. Um, but Stephanie, Damien, Tim, Dick, all chase him down to a rooftop. And um, they're like, we can't let you go back. We love you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's like, if you can catch me, you know, you can stop me. You know, I won't go. And so there's all these little touching moments where, um, like, each of them tries to impel their wisdom to Damien as they're chasing him. And it's like all of these like heartfelt moments um, where like uh, Jason corners him and he's like, you know what? You may not like you're, I know you think you're the outcast or whatever else, but he says you're the most emotional one. And he like goes up to give Jason a hug and then tases him. And it's just <laughs> like, so it's just like this really sweet moment. And then um, where uh, with tasers, with tasers, and then, uh, but then it's just like literally everybody gets a moment where they get to love on Damien. And then, um, it's one of the best Damien moments in the, like literally just this issue. If you enjoy Bat Family, it's one of the best slices of Bat Family since in Tom King's arc, they were sitting there eating fast food together. Um, and so it, it, there's even a moment where, uh, Dick finally catches him and he's like, uh, you know, Bruce sees all of us as Robins first, but you were my Robin. Aw. And it's, it's generally sweet. So just if you are a fan of the Bat family, um, Robin number five is a good standalone issue, and it reintroduces him to, I'm now calling myself Robin again. Um, so, because he wasn't before. Um, right. Uh, so that's the thing. Robin number five. Um, jumping over to, um, uh, the me you love in the dark number two, uh, again, it's a woman on the verge of a mental collapse, renting a spooky old house to paint and find her muse. And she's developing an ongoing relationship with a very ominous haunting force. And I will say that this book is equal parts gorgeous and beautiful and equal parts creepy like genuinely creepy um not scary but creepy and um like you finally get a very shadowed uh image of this creature in one panel because like most of the panels it's just off-screen word bubbles and then at one point he's like uh the creature in which i'm assigning it a male term at this point um at one point the creature's like can i get you some coffee 
And she's like, you don't have to do that. He's like, but I need to turn out the lights. So there's one lit candle and you're seeing like a shadowy visage pour her some coffee. And it's just like weird. It totally feels like a Guillermo del Toro thing. Um, uh. Like a hundred percent, like a hundred percent. If this is ever a movie adaptation and he doesn't make it, I call shenanigans. Um, <laughs> so there's that. And then there's the, uh, the nice house on the lake. Um, number four. Yeah. Putting those two side by side just feels creepy in and of itself. Yeah. And are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> no, I've I've not been okay for years. Um, that's that's her. Uh, but nice house lake on lake number four is continuing to ramp up to be like the most horrifying bananas story. Um, and it comes to a point like when they were all put into this house, they um they uh had a limited supply of food and everything uh, and resources. Then all of a sudden, a box shows up on the doorstep with some basic groceries, and there's a notepad. And what they find is that whatever, whatever they write on this pad, it's on their doorstep the next morning. Hmm. So if you want Michael Jordan's championship rings, they're on the doorstep the next morning. Um, not copies. Michael Jordan's championship rings. Um, because the world's burned, it's gone. So it's like you know, it is what it is. Get what you want. Um, and I'll say this and trigger warnings. Um, by the way, like we're recording this during Suicide Prevention Week. Um, which ends on nine eleven, which is its own thing. Um. And this issue has a very heavy suicide theme. And either A, DC was being very intentional, dropping it during Suicide Prevention Week, mm-hmm. but insensitive in their execution, or they didn't realize it and it's a horrible snafu. Um, because, uh, one of the main characters in the storyline spends a chunk of dialogue talking about why it's okay. Um, where most of the stuff you get on suicide, prevent suicide and comics and stuff like that is like, you know, here's all the reasons why it's a bad choice. And here it's like, and I guess the circumstances are special with all that's going on. Um, but in here it straight up is almost like a pep talk, um, which honestly adds to the horror of it. Um, and I don't not recommend the book because of this, because it plays out well storyline wise, but like, uh, yeah, I was just like reading that this week and that it released this week. It did release this week, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I think it was a new book this week. So they yeah, literally I'm sure I saw it on the shelf this week. They dropped it during Suicide Prevention Week, and then it's very almost pro suicide. Um, so that's a weird life choice on DC's move, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see some like a uh, blowback with that. 
Um, hmm. So, yeah. But the book continues to excel. And, you know, somebody says it's gotten better every issue. Um, I, if it hasn't gotten better every issue, um, two was a speed bump and it's gotten better every other issue beyond that. Um, so yeah, cause I'm a hundred percent like enthralled in this. There's some other plot points of like, uh, they can't remember, like one of them finally stumbles on the idea that none of them remembers how they actually got there. Like the travel. Hmm. Like they remember packing, and they remember arriving, but it's one of those things that they haven't consciously thought about. So, oh man, is 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 this purgatory? Uh, um, I don't. <laughs> have, have we heard this story already? Is this lost? Is this yeah. lost? Um, if a smoke monster shows up next week, we'll know. Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, that might not be the wrongest. Uh, concept, but considering it's dealing with aliens, I doubt it. Um, but maybe what we're considering aliens are not aliens. Who knows? Um, yeah. Either way, interesting. So it it is absolutely interesting. And then the my other pull for this week was um, which just dropped Tuesday or Wednesday is um, My Hero Academia Volume Twenty Nine. Now, I know if you're old school and you're reading them like as single parts and like show and jump or something, you know, that's its own thing. But I, yeah. I get the collected volumes. Um, and, dude, it's it's ramping up hard to an end. Um, like a big climax. And um, I will save you um, any spoilers because I know there's a lot of folks that are not on the manga level that love my hero. But as dark as you see my hero in animated form right now, you've not seen anything. Uh-huh. And it's dark right now. Um, but uh, here's where it's at in a battle storyline. It is the full League of Assassins with a OP, fully overpowered Shigaraki Versus Deku and Baka go together. Hmm. And I can't even tell you how overpowered um, Shikaraki is at this point. Other than to say that he basically has all for one. Hmm. And he's got all for one and the only thing he wants left that he's searching for is one for all. And he knows Deku has it, and that's a thing. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and the cover, which, by the way, is one of the most heartwarming, warm, fuzzy things if you're a My Hero fan. You know the image when they're kids, when they fall into the little creek and Deku tries to help Bakugou up? Mm-hmm. The cover for this one is Bakugo as his grown self in his full armor with little kid Deku still trying to help him out of the river. Oof. Yeah. Um, and that, there's, there's... That's, that's right in the fields. Yeah, and there's a, and you can tell by his face it's this humbling thing if he realizes... Like, there's a whole story arc in Bakugo's expression on the cover. Um, mm. But... Uh, it's a big volume. It's a big cliffhanger. 
Um, it's a game-changing story piece, and um, I got worried as I was flipping through the pages that it was the end. That's how gangster they're doing it. Like, I was worried I was going to flip two more pages, and it was the end of the story. Well, we we know based on some of the things that they've said that that, that day's coming soon. Yeah, it is coming soon. So. Um, and even just taking a look at um, where the show is currently, which about how many volumes behind would you say the show is? Um, four or five. Okay. And about how many volumes has a season usually gone through? Close to the same. Okay. So, right. That, that means we're potentially one season to two seasons away from the end. But that... Uh- realistically where you're bait at on the animation yeah it could end this year like Ooh. like or well how many episodes have been in this season because i've not watched lately uh i just watched 107 and i think there were two more after and i don't know how many are slated okay well and then fully realistically uh you can expect uh another 10 episodes then probably so okay. if that's part of this season or if that's another season. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's interesting is because I even commented because I haven't caught up all the way or even where we are currently. But um, when the My Villain Academia arc started, I went, oh, 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 no. Because like you mentioned, the, the vibe um, <laughs> took a hard left turn. Yeah. And that's the thing. You've got the whole My Villain Academia arc into this. Okay. Yep. I'm tracking. So, like, that's the arc before the arc I'm on. So, uh, for for all of you that are fans, uh, uh, prepare your heart. Oof. So that's all my stuff. What you got? All right. Um, uh, uh, two Marvel books. Shock. <laughs> One of which is Daredevil 34. Not so shocking. Surprise. Um, surprise, it's Daredevil. And our march to the end slash not end, um, as we talked about on the last episode. But Daredevil was sitting on top of his tr- burning pile of trash inside prison because, um, yeah, something happened. Well, we we got the answer to what the something was like pretty much immediately. We we straight up did the comic book thing of, wow, that really didn't feel like Daredevil and two panels into issue 34. It's like, and here's the reason. And you're like, oh, well, okay then. <laughs> um, for s- slight spoiler, so, you know, pause, et cetera, whatever. Um, you find out that it's not really Daredevil of his own volition doing the thing, that he was sent, he was being tasked by the FBI to figure out, you know, why basically – um, prisoners were dying and or disappearing and they figured it was something in the system. But it, he's like, yeah, it turns out that the warden is like drugging everybody with this thing that basically makes them, you know, break real bad and go kind of psycho. Um, and <laughs> that's what happened is Daredevil is like, cool, I, I got this thing and I started a riot and the world deserves to burn for pretty much everything. So, uh, yeah, this is me now. <laughs> and that escalated quickly. <laughs> um, 
And so you have that going on. He finds his way out of prison, which is problematic for a lot of reasons. Um, but meanwhile, Elektra, um, as Daredevil, is just survived an attack from Bullseye. And Bullseye and the many, many clones of Bullseye are still out there doing their thing. Um, so, you know, clone conspiracy, um, Daredevil style. Um, sorry, not sorry. And so she goes out looking for Bullseye because she's like, yep, Bullseye got to die. Um, he's killing lots of people. This is a bad thing. Um, meanwhile, uh, Typhoid Mary goes missing from the hospital and Wilson is like, where's my new girlfriend, not girlfriend? I must save her. Um, and <laughs> we reach the most chaotic moment. I think in all of the arc so far, where, big spoiler here, um, we find Typhoid Mary wearing Elektra's Daredevil costume in the same spot as Elektra looking for Bullseye. And they're like, well, I guess Bullseye's got to die. And the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing. Did I do that right? Yeah, and it, they actually look really cool together, by the way. Yeah, no, and it was like a really, it was a really neat splash page of that and everything. It's just like, um, yeah, I, I guess Sadarsky wasn't kidding that they're kind of turning this to 11 um, and broke the knob off heading in that direction um, because we now have 35 and 36 to wrap up what's going on, and I'm not sure this particular issue actually moved us from point A to point B very far <laughs> in the narrative. Um, it explained a lot of stuff we needed explained, but I was like, I, I feel like that was like a five to 10 minute moment of time <laughs> um, that had a lot of different things going on, but it still remains, I think, one of the better, more intricate stories that Marvel's telling right now um, and giving us a lot of characters um, out of legacy that we know some new characters that are interesting like Cole still is an interesting character as his as Daredevil's police you know balancing it I, I don't want to call him a villain he was framed that way early but he they're not they're they kind of get that they're trying to accomplish the same thing through different means um, and that kind of comes out in the conversation as well so Daredevil just continues to be really good and I'm kind of disappointed that it quote unquote may be ending in two, but it's still that big old question mark because Chip Sadarsky's like, is it though? And I I hope he's not not wrong. I hope that that does lead into something that's kind of big and more interesting and all that good stuff. So Daredevil thirty four, still great. You should be reading it. Uh, next, I'm, and the stained glass bullseye cover is quite nice. Oh, is is glorious. It was it was quite good. It made me want to buy it just off from that, but I, but I was going to buy it anyway. Um, so my next Marvel book, I have to talk about simply because of what happened and everything. So you've been following us and our conversation of Amazing Spider-Man. Read it. Don't read it. Read it. Don't read it. Um, where we started all the way back with Sin Eater, uh, where Hector talked me into finally jumping on 
and it held for a while. That arc is actually still playing out, and it was a little confusing that that's what was still going on, but Amazing Spider-Man does tend to tell very long narrative stories, but then gets distracted in middle with filler stuff that you're like, what just happened? Why did this happen? And now it's gone. Um, But Amazing Spider-Man 73, we're finally starting to see some of the culmination of Sin Eater, Kindred, the entire Osborne family, um, and stuff that's going on in Peter's life in general. And I'm going to give the spoiler warning again here because... I'm going to do you the favor that literally every other pop culture website completely disregarded this week um, where we knew at the end of issue 72 that Kindred actually was revealing themselves and the implication was that it wasn't actually Osborne after all, um, that it was in fact somebody else. And so very early in this book, we finally get the reveal of who Kindred quote unquote supposedly truly is. And so short break here, (laughs) I literally saw that panel the day before the book came out by multiple websites that put that in their preview picture of the article. And I'm like, with a sticker on the side that said spoiler warning, giving away who the character was. So side comment, that's not how you do spoiler warnings. No, like you can't add <laughs> like the I almost spoiler. I almost took a screenshot of it because it was the full reveal of the character the day before the book came out with a spoiler warning little sticker in the corner of the picture and like literally every comment's like that that's not how this works. <laughs> and it was a major pop culture site that did it. It wasn't, you know, like a one-off um blog that just was trying to scoop the CBR the kind of thing. I don't remember. Okay. To be honest, but it was very close to one of that. That we're not. It's, we're not on. We got this covered. Level. No. <laughs> so all of that said, Kindred reveals, and it's Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy. Oh. Yes. So. Which makes sense storyline wise. Okay. Yes, and I'm going to get to it because a bunch of people said, "Oh my goodness, they just retconned one more day and all this other stuff," and. I'm going to get to that because as this story progresses and basically MJ and Peter are like, um, what? (laughs) Um, the Osbournes are, um, what? (laughs) Um, because a lot of stuff happened as a result of Gwen's death, (laughs) um, that involves all of those people and the path that they ultimately end up taking and how they were involved or not involved. And, I mean, that's the whole point is we're back now to Sin Eater that Gwen also then starts saying, you know, it's time to face the sins of your past, Peter, et cetera, and Harry and Norman and all that stuff. And you're like, wow, that's like – that's um, – okay, so actually golf clap because <laughs> well done. Didn't see that coming. Um, and on par for the arc and everything and you you brought us back to, oh, wow, this – okay. What's going on here? And now for the really, really spoilery part. And I'm telling you all of this because I think if you're interested in Spider-Man at all, you and this is the type of thing you're interested in, now you need to go all the way back to where we told you to start reading months ago to see how we got here. Um, because that journey actually is interesting now that we have some context. But again, 
at the end of this book, when all of this is unfolding, we get a panel of Doctor Strange with his head in his hands and Mephisto standing in front of him and Doctor Strange basically being like, can this just stop? And Mephisto saying, yeah, I guess you probably should have just gone back to playing the slots in the desert, huh? Whoa. And Yeah, so if you're confused... Whoa. That's linking all the way back to the Donny Cates, um, Mephisto, and Vegas event that was really weird and confusing. And a lot of us are like, this seems jumping the shark. But with both of those statements at the end of a Spider-Man book, I just went, okay, hold up. I enjoyed that arc, by the way. Right. So that's why I, I want, because I, I was under the impression you hadn't read that I wanted to give you those pieces outside of context because you just made the connection that a lot of other folks probably did too. And I had to kind of slow clap again because I'm now very convinced that this didn't retcon anything and that Gwen Stacy isn't really there because this is very much the devil has just given everyone exactly what they quote unquote want or think they need after very traumatic events in all of their lives. And he is puppeteering something that's really broken. And oh, by the way, involves a dude that we also know in Marvel continuity is about to enter a battle for his life in Doctor Strange. So this is me saying this might actually be a really good Marvel event that is slowly building itself and it's coming out of the Amazing Spider-Man line and bravo. So I guess we're to the point where Chris says, I I guess you should be reading Amazing Spider-Man. And oh, by the way, this is parallel to the Sinister War, which I actually don't care about in context with this going on. So there's very Marvel things going on here. But then at the same time, it's like, wow, that that actually was a really hard Marvel continuity setup. And it actually is Mephisto, (laughs) probably. I mean, I feel a little more confident now, but... Most likely, probably, definitely. No, we just, probably. Pro- we just have to say probably, so it leads to sticker sales, right? Because <laughs> we sell, we got merch. Got it. Yeah, Marvel, you're, you're you're doing some things very well, and I think they're books that people might not actually be paying attention to, which means go pay attention to them. They're they're actually. I'm in. I'm curious now, and that says a lot. So now, I would like to tell you about the unbelievable unteens number two. I told you about the first book in this really weird setup last episode. Um, It's a Dark Horse book. It's about what we know to be a comic book creator who finds out that they are formerly a member of the comic book team that of the book that she thinks she's writing. So she thinks she created it, but it's actually she's telling the story because she lived it. And one of the former team members kind of pulls her out of the the real world and goes no 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 we we all still exist and something's going on and the second book just leans into it so if you want to think of the image book crossover where it's literally a story about the real world and comic book worlds colliding this one is a little more subtle in so far as that it is a person who actually lived this life that then created a comic book but what's cool is the medium of the storytelling now in the issues and i think this is going to stay true going forward because they did it a few times in this book is like the first six pages you could clearly see are comic pages laid on comic pages so you can tell that you're reading the book that she wrote retelling a story and then there are moments where the page tears and the art changes slightly and it's the real world 
and it goes back and forth from this of the team reassembling and trying to a remember why they forgot because some of them forgot who they actually were um, and trying to figure out where the rest of the team is and what actually happened. So it's equal parts kind of creepy <laughs> um, as these people start to realize their previous existence but also really neat in the graphic storytelling of there's literally this vibe where you can see, oh, this is the book that this creator clearly created. And then this is where reality overlaps. And they do that through images of like pages tearing. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. And I, I think I'm in for the rest of the journey as a result, because um, it appears that a very traumatic event occurred that kind of led to this amnesia. And they're all slowly unpacking that. So I think it's going to be one of those we back into the cataclysmic event that resulted in their world being created and everything. And I'm just down for cool stories like that. Um, so if you need another creepy book to add to your creepy <laughs> list, then there you go. Um, between that, the me you love in the dark and the nice house on the lake, we will have potentially fully traumatized you by the end of the podcast. But finally, uh, I actually do need to talk about Batman number 112, what? which was the first. Yeah. And I want to talk about it in the case of Fear State um, because it's the first book after the Fear State Alpha, which was the setup to the story, which Hector and I both read and went, eh, that happened. So I want to talk about Batman 112 because I felt Batman 112 did a better job of setting up Fear State than the standalone book that was actually designed to do it. Oh, yes. And that and that's why I want to talk about it, because we've talked about how Batman's felt kind of wandering and lost during all this. This book I read front to back and went, I understand what is happening now. Uh, I felt a lot of the ambiguity had been removed because we literally got every little slice of the story of Batman, of the of the remaining Bat family, um, of Crane and the Magistrate, um, Ev of Saint Industries and what they're actually doing with the magistrate as well, that we now get it. Tim Cook and Steve Jobs are evil. <laughs> and they're going to be the ones that deliver uh, an evil, all-being te techno government that takes over all of our cities for our own good. Um, great. There you go. Nailed it. Confusing, but nailed it. So knowing that this is the end of Tinian's arc, it gave me some faith that maybe it will at least end strong, even if it's not like the most comic book thing that you have ever read in a very long time, because it's certainly setting up that way. But I felt less lost. I kind of cared about what Scarecrow was trying to do. I suddenly kind of was interested in what Saint Industries actual purpose in all of this is. And the rest of the Bat family actually feels quite wonderful because it's clear that also Batman is like at a total. He's operating from behind the curve in this book. Which comes back to what we talked about before of this feels way more like a detective book than it does a Batman book. But here we are. So if you're looking for Fear State to wrap up and wrap up well, I'm going to read some of the tie-ins to try to gauge if they are worth reading or not. But so far, if the writing stays this way, I think you can stay in the Batman lane and probably be just fine. If 112 can end up being our kind of measuring stick for that. So... Let's wrap up this bad boy by talking a little bit about some number ones that came out in the last few weeks so folks know what they should be picking up. So, Hector, what you got? I got nothing. What? Uh, there were no number ones that I picked up that I thought were worth like talking about. I did not pick up Black Manta number one, so that's no insult to that. I just didn't read it. Um, 
for financial reasons. Um, um, I, I struggle to pick up an Aquaman book, let alone a Black Manta book. Um, <laughs> That's fair. And so, uh, well, if anyone ever thought it was possible, we finally did it. We 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 hit a week where number ones came out, and and Hector was like, eh. No, I've read I've read number ones. Uh, you know, I read Fear Street Alpha number one, or not Fear Street, uh, <laughs> uh, Fear State yeah, Alpha. Fear Street. I, see, I would read Fear Street um alpha number one um but uh, i read fear- right but th- this segment is called worth your time so now uh black manta could totally be worth the time i got no knowledge on it um but yeah i got nothing what do you got so i did and it's because i've been waiting for this book and i was happy because i felt like he nailed it and that was may's book Number one from Jeff Lemire. I believe that is yet another Dark Horse that Lemire currently is seems to be stabled at Dark Horse, and I don't hate it because that is the unbelievable Unteens as well. Um, and I just love me some Jeff Lemire, so sorry, not sorry. Anyway, for those of you that also like his work, um, May's book. Let's see how to describe this. Um, did you ever read uh, Underwater Welder by him? No. All right. You should read that. It's a very interesting book. Um, that's kind of hard to explain <laughs> um, because there's some reality bending, some time and all that good stuff. But so that book next to his book from a few years ago, Royal City, I'd say that this currently has the vibe of both of these stories where – Underwater Welder was kind of a story of a person on a journey of remembering his father. Um, Royal City was the process of someone remembering a a brother, a family member, and kind of small sleepy town um, type stuff. And the process – both of them basically are processing of loss and – what impacts that have on people that – you know, this, this, a lot of these stories aren't feel good except for the fact that if you at least appreciate the journey of people unpacking really difficult things in life, Jeff Lemire seems to do a really good job of telling these stories in a way that doesn't feel forced but also has kind of an interesting vibe to him. Like his art style is that watercolor painted art. So again, a lot of like he literally will paint a page. He'll set five pages up and do the pencils and inks and then he will paint them so they all dry because he literally ha- he does watercolor. So they all have to dry before he can even digitize them and do all that crazy stuff. So like the process is cool in and of itself. Um, he also does a lot where color is usually used as a medium to move story or plot points forward. So when stuff goes from black and white to full color, usually something is being communicated. Um, and so for May's book. It's a father that has lost a daughter at a very young age, and he provides you a connective tissue point of his daughter took one of his sweaters and just always wore it. So it was always too big on her and that type of stuff. But the sweater is a sweater that's unraveling. And so part of the maze is in the first book, he is having dreams and this red strand of yarn keeps being present in all of his dreams and he's kind of like, wait, what is this? Recognizes what it is. We literally watch him go to work, eat lunch, finish work, go home, take a shower, sleep, and repeat this process of trying to dream about his daughter. And the end of the first book is he's he's starting to pull this thread, right? And the phone keeps ringing. It says unknown caller. He keeps ignoring it because he's like telemarketers are dumb. But he finally answers it. And the voice just says, find me in the center. 
I need you to find me daddy. And that's the, that's the setup of what's happening. And like my heart's already not ready knowing what types of stories he's told doing this before. So if you're into something that makes you think, but also gives you a rather raw glimpse at human emotion, I feel that Lemire does a really good job of doing that and doing it fair, but also doing really neat things with art to pull you from point A to point B. So um, I'm recommending May's book because I think it's going, just based on this and knowing some of his previous works that have similar vibes, I don't think there's going to be a disappointment in that. So there's a number one maybe you should go check out. Or maybe it's not your thing because it is kind of specific in how that book's going to make you feel. And so I get that. Okay. So so that's what I got, bro. Um, and I think that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 58 is in the books and now in your ears. Hector and I want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. So truly, thank you for listening. And remember, kids, I'm going to take more comics. Seven continents is a game of risk. Oh.